0: We're going to start in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this body, desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident. And know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ so that each may be repaid what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. Let's stop. Let's stop there for a second, and let's kind of dig through this passage, all right? As, um, clear, Paul has written a There's been communication back and forth between Paul and the Corinthian church, and uh, this isn't probably just Paul's second interaction with the Corinthian church. There's been others, all right? And we kind of get one side of this conversation. If you've ever read 1 Corinthians uh, you know, Paul really has some pretty significant words of correction for the Corinthian church, right? He 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 tells them the truth, and in fact, later in Second Corinthians, he said he he acknowledges my my letter, what I've said previously, probably hurts you, and that's okay because you came to repentance. Mm-hmm. All right, and so he understood that, and Paul, in as he writes Second Corinthians, is making a little bit of a defense uh, for himself and the other workers that are with him, all right? Uh, because the Corinthians, there seemed to be a little bit of a conflict there. The Corinthians weren't, uh, in, all of the Corinthians anyway, weren't super excited about Paul and his message, about what he was bringing here. But it's interesting, he starts out in chapter five and he says this thing that it's, it's so easy to lose sight of he says we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed we have a building from god an eternal dwelling in the heavens and you want to know what to zip on by that is to miss something okay because this is what i love here's the in my mind here's the here's the beautiful thing about this particular chapter all right is um this particular chapter it's like putting the great commission under a microscope right? Have you ever done that with things before? I, I I loved when I was a kid playing with microscopes. Have you ever done, I, I don't know, maybe y'all don't do that. You, when you get into college, they don't let you play with those probably anymore because they're really awesome and, and expensive. But I remember when we had a little, little microscope and we put everything under the microscope. I mean, we tortured ants and put them under the microscope, you know? I mean, we, not tortured like, you know, in a, we killed an ant, I should say that. And then you want to see everything. I want to see what a Wrigley's gum wrapper looked like underneath it. I want to see, you know, and, and uh, or you go to class, you'd see, and you're like, wow, this thing that looks this way, and you put it under this microscope, but oh my goodness, there's so much more there. 2 Corinthians 5 is like if we did that with the Great Commission in Matthew 28. If you're not familiar with that, Matthew 28, one of the things that Jesus leaves his people with is he, he reminds them in this really succinct manner. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you forever. I'll be with you. All right. And it's this really succinct teaching. And, and you've probably heard it a million times. And you can remember it. And it's, here's one of the crazy things about that is, is that's one of those verses where just the information of it doesn't change anything. Right. You could know it. You may have known it for 50 years right you may have known it but the information doesn't change us information doesn't change us right i mean think about this what is your all time what is your favorite 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 food okay and and i don't mean like a little debbie cake either i'm not talking about like junk food i'm talking about what is that thing that if you're a if you're a kind of uh food person right what is that thing when you taste it you're like that right there they will serve that in heaven (laughs) okay well what is that for you any particular kind of chocolate because I like chocolate too is it just chocolate in general dark chocolate oh I'm with you (laughs) boy that dark there is something about dark chocolate you put it in your mouth and you're like I can't even describe this it's like the holy spirit in chocolate form right I mean it's just it's right there I feel better about myself and and by the way that's not good advice okay I mean chocolate shouldn't make you feel better about yourself but dark chocolate I'm with you okay (laughs) What else? What do you have there? Yeah. Steak. Oh, my goodness. You were born into the wrong family, girl. Yeah, steak, where you're just like, oh, it's so good when, when dad grills it, huh? Yeah. No? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so you have a good steak. Um, it, it, it's funny, uh, we had a gift certificate to, uh, what was the name of that restaurant? Uh-huh. Uh, in Halls. Greenville? Hall Steakhouse? Chop House. Not really. <laughs> we are the rich man. <laughs> we, so we go to halls, and it's one of those places where they come over and put the napkin on your lap and stuff, which makes me, like, we're used to going to, like, you know, the Sizzler, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you have a guy put, and you're like, get your hands off me, man, <laughs> right? right? Can I have some butter for $10, right? And, and, and so they brought the steak out, and I was like, that's not real meat. I've never tasted steak that good before it was it was genetically modified it had to have been but it's so good when you put it in your mouth so you got steak you got, what else do you have food every day. Uh, like any kind of Thanksgiving food right do you have a favorite ham. Oh, holiday ham like pineapples and yeah. stuff like that and you taste it and you're just like whoa man that's so good H- here's the thing is that information if if any one of us were just to describe that to somebody you'd go oh that's all right but it's like when you taste it it changes everything okay that's what we're talking about information in the bible is just like oh you know what that sounds like it might be pretty cool but the gospel in the bible man when we taste it it's like hold up there is something about this that just changes me. And is it, what's amazing is, is Paul helps us with that. He takes the Great Commission and he puts it under the microscope, right? And he's like, let me show you all that is absolutely amazing about God sending us out on this mission, okay? But he starts out and he tells us something about himself, right? Because, you know, we could go and dispatch an army. Hey, go and knock on doors, go and do all this kind of stuff. You can just do stuff and that's not like, really the heart of what we're talking about but he says this he says we we know something like this thing we're living in right now is we know that that's temporary all right we spend a lot of money on hoping this isn't temporary though right Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of money on man if I could boy whatever the newest thing is the newest vitamin the newest supplement the newest whatever in order now listen we want to be healthy we want to like not Take advantage of like this temporary but we spend a lot of money hoping this isn't temporary the heart of paul is i know what i'm living in is temporary and there's something that god has built that's eternal and that's really an important theme to keep in mind here because as he goes through this he says you know we groan we 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 yearn and desire to put on this heavenly dwelling and we want to be clothed indeed we groan while we're in this tent because we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed, he says, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. All right, I understand what we're doing? We're just peeling apart Paul's brain right here in his heart and going, "What makes you tick?" All right, this isn't just a guy that's just going around and going, "Oh man, God told me to do things; I need to do it." We get a glimpse into his heart, and we're going, "What makes you?" He says, "Here's what I know: what I'm living in is temporary." Here's what I know. What, what is around us is mortal. What's real, what's life, is something we don't see with our eyes. Okay? That's, a, that's so valuable. If we move forward and forget that, or we don't even spend time like, like immersing ourselves in that point, it's going to be super hard to be able to pass the gospel on. We'll be able to pass the information of the gospel on. Like, here's the information of the gospel about how good it is, but not the flavor, right? Paul could pass along the flavor because he's, listen, he says, guys, I'm not worried about all this stuff. This is all temporary, what you see. The buildings and life, all of this is mortal. We're going to die one day. But here's the deal is, is I pray that that mortality is swallowed up by life. He says, life is what happens after we die. All right, that is so valuable because how many conversations do we have encouraging one another that way? Just think about it. And, and I don't know where you are. I'm just saying we're getting a glimpse of Paul right here. And he's like, hey, this is how I view things, okay? I want mortality to be swallowed up by life. And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the spirit as a down payment. God said, man, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you, all right? Not so you can just live in a way. Isn't it super easy? You know, here's what's embarrassing to me for me is Ben came up here and shared Um, about his friends, all right, and he read in James 5, and you know what, my my faith level and cynicism can become so low, because I can view Christianity oftentimes as just kind of this pursuit of just do your best with the strength you have, and it's interesting, Paul is going, "No, no, no, see, don't ever forget, God put his spirit inside of me, so that supernatural things will happen, and not just natural things, right? So that there will be like this access to God. I always love reading about the Holy Spirit. he says, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? Is like the Holy Spirit will even, um, in, in some way, shape, or form, right, is, is advocate and, and in, in, a, in a weird way, kind of when we don't know what to pray. In Romans 8, it says the Spirit knows what we're supposed to be praying about. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome to know that I could have the most messed up prayer in the world, and God's Holy Spirit is going, this is what you meant to say. <laughs> no, no, this is how it's supposed to be. And let me spur you on to more faith as well, okay? So it's so important because, again, we can go out there and be disciple makers. Um, we can go and try to have a spiritual community. We can go and try to follow Jesus and have the greatest intentions in the world. But it's really cool to know that Paul's view was that, man, I, he had such a grounded view on what's real and what's not. And that he has a Holy Spirit living inside of him that was that, that made sure how he lived was going to be supernatural. Okay? And so we can't get past that and just go, okay, well what are we supposed to be doing? All right. If this part has if we don't know the flavor of this, right, nothing to do is really going to matter a whole lot. Right? And it's really one of my favorite things in the world, one of the things I love most, and you've experienced this, a lot of you guys have experienced this before. It's like you're in your Bible, you're praying, you're, you're living your life faithfully, and you kind of have that aha moment spiritually where you're like, oh, that's what it meant. Whoa, wow, this is crazy what just happened. It's crazy how I just behaved there. I, wouldn't, I don't normally behave that way, now I do, and I, and I don't know, I want, want to love people. And I don't know why I had patience right there. I don't know why I was peaceful right there. And and I can imagine God up there going, "Well, yeah, that's the point, right? That's why I put my Holy Spirit in you. Was for that reason, okay?" And so He says this, verse six. This is another one. We just, you know, you slow down and you start digging into these things. And He says, "So we are always confident." Let's just, boy, stop. Are we always confident? Are we always confident? Have you ever tried to make yourself confident? Like, like we do different things to, to make like false confidence, right? Like make ourselves more confident. Let me go watch a really great motivational video on YouTube. That'll make me more confident, right? Let, let me go and watch something that gets me all fired up. That'll make me more confident, Okay. Here's the interesting thing. This is a guy who's giving us the flavor of what discipleship is. He says, we are always confident and know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. He goes, we know that. And we're confident still because we know if we're here, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Again, he's this idea of what's real and what's not. What's real and what's not? He says, we walk by faith not by sight. How often are the things that you see just become discouraging? I mean, how many times, we don't, we don't tend to complain about things that we don't see. It's what we see. It's what we see in people. It's what we see in brothers and sisters. It's what we see in the world. It's what we see. And we're going, oh man, this is so horrible. And Boy, if the elections don't turn out just right, everything's going to be bad. And if the stock market doesn't do just perfect, my retirement's gone. And if this doesn't work out, just, oh, man, I have so many things that we see. And if my job isn't perfect, if my car isn't perfect, all this stuff isn't perfect. And Paul's like, I don't think about that stuff. I walk by faith, not by sight. That's like a reminder. Wouldn't that be awesome if we walked with Paul? You know, I get the feeling from this little section right here that Paul, one of the things that he would constantly be reminding of is, dude, is that real or not? But Paul, do you see this? They don't want us in this town here. Is that real or isn't it real? Because if you walk by faith, God has given us this purpose to go and proclaim this gospel. Right? I'm not going by what I see, but they don't like me over there. Well, is that real or not? It's not real. What's real is God. What's real is his spirit. What's real is what's unseen. What's real is what he's built for eternity. That's what's real. And we're trying to get people into that reality. All right. And so you see, this is a, so amazing. He says, we're always confident. Right. And I know we do. I think it's great, man. We, we, we have come a long ways in our vulnerability to be able to go. You know what, man? It's almost like a badge of honor or to go, man, I am insecure about everything. People are like, wow, that's so humble. In my natural self, I am insecure. In Christ, in the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't be insecure. See, there's a difference, okay? And so it's that idea. Sometimes, you ever done that before? You're like, oh, man, Uh, somebody says that, a guy in particular. Boy, I'm really struggling with these insecurities. like, man, you're so real. You're so genuine, man. You're so, gosh, man, you're humble for for saying that instead of going, hold on a minute, because you're living in your natural self. The Holy Spirit, you're confident if the whole if you're living by the Holy Spirit, because if you're saying that the Holy Spirit inside of you is insecure. What, what is that saying? It's just it's a, it's blasphemy. OK, and so it's the idea of let's encourage one another to go, dude, stop living in what's not real. Like, I get the insecurities are real. I have insecurities, too. But it's a reminder not to live in those. It's, it's a reminder to go, hold on a minute. The Holy Spirit isn't insecure, and God has put this Holy Spirit in me. And am I even walking with the Holy Spirit? Because Paul, this guy who, who for all, all that we know, he is immersed in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, man, we're always confident. You mean you're always confident going to towns and people hate you? You're always confident going to towns that are throwing you in jail? You mean you're always confident you, you go to places and things bad things happen to you? You mean you're always confident? Yeah, we're always confident because the Holy Spirit is in me. We walk by faith, uh, uh, you know, and, and we know we're at home in the body. We're away from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. And again, he says, and we're confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home in the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. Again, you're going, what does this have to do with like, the Great Commission? What does this have to do with anything? You know when you put something under a microscope, you start seeing things that weren't there, right? We're seeing the heart of a man who is going to a community. He lived in Corinth for two and a half years. This is one of his longest places he lived on his mission trips, okay? And he says here, he goes, here's, here's our aim. Everything I do is to please him. And just sit there and think about that for a second. Uh, again, I, I I would love to think if Paul was just our neighbor, if he was our he was here in the Clemson Foothills church, if he was a guy who was we were walking around and how many times he would remind us what's real and what's not. How come you're getting caught up in what's not real? How come you're so fixated on this bad stuff that you see? And how come you're living in this insecure way that the spirit inside of you isn't isn't built for. All right, we'd be reminded of this over and over and over again. But how many times would he just ask you? Could you imagine? You're like Paul. Can I get some time? Can we just get some time to sit down and you talk to me about my spiritual life? And, and and could you imagine Paul sitting down going, "Well, tell me about your spiritual life." Well, I'm struggling with this. I'm doing that. Okay, hey, in this area, are you aiming to please God? Well, well, no, I'm, dude. You don't understand. I, I'm making a paycheck. <laughs> Are you aiming to please God in this? Well, what does that have to do with my spiritual life? Are you aiming to please God at home, alone? Are you aiming? Is, is that your aim, right? Not just like I hope it happens, but my aim. Like, that's what I'm shooting for. Whether it's marriage or whether it's dating, whether it's at work. Man, it's this idea of at school. I am, my aim is. But you know what's funny about that aim? I know it's, it, this is the easy part. We want that aim to be the same target that prospers us also, right? It's that idea of, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm aiming because it's, I'm really aiming at what I want. And what I want is going to please God. And so I can kill two birds with one stone, with one arrow. I'm going to shoot it and aim for that. Instead of going, you know what? Sometimes the aim to please him doesn't prosper me and you. It costs us, actually. See, that's the hard part of the aim. You got the arrow and you pull the bow back and going, this is going to cost me when I let go. But you see, the heart again is, man, it, it, Paul's telling us very clear. His aim is not to please himself. His aim is not to, to be his own ambitious self. His aim isn't that. It, didn't it cost Paul something to aim to please Jesus? It cost him a lot, didn't it? It cost him everything. It cost him his name, his reputation, his position in the community. It caused him. I mean, could you be, how embarrassing would that be in your community when you're walking around and you were the guy that was persecuting the Christians and you were so confident what they were doing was wrong. And now all of a sudden you have to go back and go, no, 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 you can join my team now. (laughs) Come and join team Jesus with me. And they're like, what? Dude, you were the man. Like what happened to you? All right? I mean, can you imagine the insecurity of that of going back and and we get caught up in we're not, we don't have it like that. Okay? He says this is my aim to please him because here's what he knows, again for we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ. You know there's this there's this fear of God that is like let Let's not talk about that. Let's, like, let's look away from that. The tribunal, the, the court, the, the throne of Jesus. Right. I, I want you to think, I, it's unimaginable what that would be like. Right? It's, it's absolutely unimaginable. Right? But in many ways we think, okay, we're going to be repaid for good and bad and all this kind of stuff, but, but here's really what it comes down to is Jesus makes it clear a number of times, and probably clearest in Matthew 7, verse 21. He said, listen, there are people who want to do my will and people who don't want to do my will. And he's talking about the religious community, too, by the way. He's not just saying, hey, you know, those, those guys that they don't go to church, they don't do, that, yeah, 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 they're going to burn one day. No, no. He's saying, no, there's actually religious people doing really amazing religious things, and there's going to be some people that want to do my will, meaning there's some people who want what I want, and there's going to be some people that don't want what I want. They want what they want. All right? And Paul is saying, listen, we are, that time will happen. That time will occur. Have you ever thought about times that you've had that were just surreal moments? Right? Some of the most surreal moments of me is standing up in front of the church waiting for Abby to come down to get married. That was surreal to me because I'm standing here going, wow, how'd I get here? <laughs> right? I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Craziness, man. You know, it's just that. It's when your children are born and you're like, oh my good, really? That's mine? Oh, what do I do with that thing now? Right? I mean, it's it's surreal. It's like one minute, nothing. Next minute, boom. Pooping and peeing. Right? Like, how did what happened here? Okay. It's surreal. Right? Um, the the death of people who are close to us, right? I remember the death of my father and just thinking this is surreal that this moment has come and you know the moment's coming, right? I mean, you know the moment's coming. When you're pregnant, you know the moment's going to come, right? We're going to die one day, but it's surreal when that moment hits, right? And he's saying this, can you imagine that that moment when we will be in front of Jesus And Paul isn't saying this to scare you into action. He's saying that's our king, though, and our king does mean what he says. He means every word of what he says, because what our king tells us in the Bible is is he's trying to give us life here on earth and to help others do the same, to call people into what's real. He says we will have to, and I want to please him because that's going to be what we do, whether we're here or we're with him. It's, going to be, it's about pleasing Him, right? We make it our aim to be pleasing because we all have to appear so that each can be repaid for what He has done in the body, whether good or worthless. Therefore, now here's the deal. We get into some practicality of the Great Commission. Because we know the fear of the Lord, because we know there's not a soul we'll ever meet, ever, 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 that will not stand in front of Jesus. It's because we know that, We seek to persuade people. Paul's life was a life of persuasion in every way, shape, and form. It's the idea, if you give me an opportunity to talk to you, I'm going to try to talk to you and persuade you to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to try to persuade you into into understanding and living out the gospel. I'm going to try to persuade you. If you don't let me talk, Right? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live in a way that tries to persuade you. I'm going to love in a way that's going to try to persuade you in a a way that isn't normal for me and you, right? I mean, think about it how unnormal lives do we live? Oftentimes, it's easy just to live a normal life. Oh, this is what Keith does during the day. What speaks and persuades people is the unnormal life, right? And he's like, because I know this, I'll try to persuade people. That's why they threw Paul and Timothy in jail. And he's like, that jailer's not going to let us talk to him. We're stuck down here in this dank prison cell. We've just been beaten up, right? And it's this idea. Is that a bad word? No, no. Okay, good. <laughs> I just want to make sure, because see, there's some words that, that I've used in the past, and I'm like, uh-oh, did I just say something that was not a good word? It just, I just yeeted that out. Is that a right way? Is that good? <laughs> That's a new... Anyway, Paul was like this. Paul's thing was... The the jailer's going to stick me in this cell. You're not going to let me talk to you. I can't go anywhere because I'm chained up here. But you know what, Timothy, me and you can do sing. (laughs) He, He can hear what we're happy about. Right? He can do that. Paul lived a life of persuasion. I want you to think about that. Who in your life right now, if you're thinking that I am trying to, I am praying for and living in a way that I'm like, I want to live a life of persuasion because here's the thing I know that we're all going to be standing in front of Jesus one day. And it's not enough that you're okay. It's not enough. And I don't think you believe that either. I know it's scary to be a disciple maker, but you don't believe that either because there are people close to you that you're like, no, that every. It, <laughs> I don't ever want them to have to stand unclothed in Jesus before the throne, right? And so it's this idea, a life of persuasion. We seek to persuade people, right? That's great commission right there is go make disciples. How? Man, I live a life of persuasion, hopefully. Let me persuade you into believing that you want to know what? My natural, as a natural person, I'm insecure and unloving and selfish, right? But the Holy Spirit inside of me changes me. And when I'm acting in my natural self, God gives us another persuasive means. It's called repentance, <laughs> right? Isn't that awesome? Even when you mess up, God said, well, here's repentance. That will persuade people because they'll see that, man, you know what? We're all messed up. But God gives us another gift, a gift of repentance that's persuasive. Doesn't repentance persuade you in people's lives? Isn't that persuasive when you see people and you're like, holy mackerel, like, wow. I mean, it's so, it's so moving, right? And so he's like, man, I live this life of persuasion because I, I, I know the fear of the Lord. He says, we're completely open before God. And I hope we're completely open to your consciences as well. We aren't commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in the outward appearance of God. Rather than in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it's for God. If we have a sound mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us since we've reached this conclusion. Again, that's another way of saying, because I know this. Because this is what's real. This is the conclusion I've reached, you know. And it's interesting how often we have conversations where we go, you know what conclusion I've reached in how I live my life? is this right here. One died for all, and then all died. One died for all, and everyone's dead. And he died for all so that those who live... Okay, when Jesus died, everybody became dead. Everyone was dead who wasn't following him. wasn't following a God follower, right? And he died so that all those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. He said, that's the conclusion he reached. That's the gospel. That's saturated in the gospel. That's gospel-centered disciple-making. Is man, I've been convinced of this. So wherever I go, whoever I talk to, however I live, in whatever manner, I make it my aim to please him and live a persuasive life, right? Because of who he is, because I know what's real and I know what's not real. He says, because Christ's love compels me. Sadly, well, first of all, not sadly. That's awesome, right? I mean, we were there, like, man, Christ's love compels me. I love that. And, and far too often we take that and we go, you know what? Christ's love compels me. Man, that's so great because it takes so much pressure off of me having to do anything. Like, it becomes an excuse for us to do less for Jesus. Like, oh, man, you know, I was working like a madman in the church until I read that verse. I'm like, well, I'm really glad he unburdened me from feeling like I have to do that. That wasn't Paul's context. Paul says, man, the grace of God, I worked harder because of the grace of God. For Christ's love compels me. It's not to unburden us to go, oh, man, now I feel less guilty about watching all that Netflix. Man, Christ's love compels me, man. I just want to be compelled by the love of Christ, not, not by people. And don't we go there? That's the first thing we do. That's that the, that's the, that's the, that's the card you play, right? Is that idea of going, oh, man, see, Christ's love compels me. I don't get compelled by people telling me what to do. You know, people always told me, man, to be a disciple maker and go out and live this way and love this way and repent. I don't follow man. Well, just because a man said it, if it's the word of God, that doesn't get us out of something. Right? It's, it, it isn't that. You're going, well, I don't want to live a works-based, uh, you know, life, so... You know what, man? My small group was talking about obedience. I'm not, all, I'm not all about obedience. Understand, that's not a man saying that. The word of God, Jesus said it over and over and over again. We can't, we can't hide behind that word, which has become. hey, that's the word of today, right? Legalism. Oh, man, I don't want to be legalistic. It's not legalistic to follow Jesus. When he says to do something, that's not being a legalist. <laughs> all right? That's being submissive to him. It's going, oh, you said it. But Jody said it, too, and I don't follow men. Chris said it, too. I don't follow men. I'm a, I follow Jesus. Well, didn't he just say the words of Jesus? You don't understand, man. He can't compel me. Jesus. Well, listen, that's, not a, that's a you problem if you're... Christ's love compelled him, okay? Not to do less, but, you know, have you ever been... You know, you get compelled by something? It's like you get more energy. This isn't emotional energy either, right? This isn't like... It, 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 this, isn't, this isn't that. It's not like, you know, woohoo, run around and all that kind of stuff. But when you're compelled by something, you get more energy oftentimes. The hope of something will give you a burst of energy sometimes, right? But we're talking about something that is just like that constant fuel source. Christ's love. Man, Christ's love. His love for me, his love for the world, his patience, his mercy, his generosity. I'll, whoa, man. Okay? But here's the deal is it's just information until we start practicing this. It's just information. It's just theoretical. It's like, oh, it doesn't really work that way. Like, I read my Bible every day. I don't get any more energy. Um, are you obeying what you're reading? Are, are you praying? Are you, are you praying that the Holy Spirit does open your eyes and reveal the supernatural to me and you? That, that we really are letting God. He is the king and gets to decide what goes on in our life. All right? it's, it's the experience of obeying what we're being taught. It's the experience of that that gives us the aha moment. It's not just the information. All right? And so it's that idea of going, okay, am I going to take what I'm learning and reading and what I'm hearing God tell me through people in my life? And me and God sometimes have to sit down and hash it out, argue it out, fight it out. You know, prayer should be messy, oftentimes. Prayer should be kind of messy. And getting to a place where it's like, hold on a minute, I want to do your will. My aim, God, is to please you, even when it's scary. Right? That's, that, that right there, that, that's it, man. That's money right there. It's God, whatever you want me to do and however you want me to live, I want to aim to please you. And that may cost me something. But here's the thing. Again, don't don't forget the first verse we read and all the way through. He says, man, there's certain things I know. Paul says, I know these things. I know the gospel. I know what's real. I know I'm confident of this. I'm positive of this. Okay? And so oftentimes, me and you, you know what we need to do is we need to preach ourselves a lot of sermons about the truth of God. I know this is true. I know this is real. I know the cross is real. I know the resurrection is real. I know his Holy Spirit is real. I know these things. I know he put his Holy Spirit in me. I know those things are true. And let those guide us, right? In this like microscopic view here. And next week, we're going to dig into this, to the last part of this chapter uh, of this idea of, of kind of this microscopic view of Matthew 28 of the Great Commission, all right, so meditate on this, pray about this, pray through this chapter, go back and read Matthew 28, all right, is really kind of marinate in that this week, um, and listen for God's